issues with my microphone all weekend. Um, so tonight's gospel, really long. It's not usual the church gives us uh, such long gospel readings. And last night I tried to tackle it, and I gave one of the worst five homilies in the history of the Catholic Church. <laughs> so you're in luck. You came to the right mass. Maybe. We'll find out. So tonight we're going to jump into something different. One word on our gospel tonight. I do just want to point this out. When Jesus, it's a really deep and powerful gospel, but it takes a lot of explaining. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's telling parables about a master who's coming home to his house, but the servants have been misbehaving. And Jesus is on his way to the temple in Jerusalem, and the temple in the Bible is God's house. And the Jews have been waiting for God's presence to return. And what these parables are really about, yes, they are about our life and about the end of time when Christ returns. But actually, first, they're about the story of Jesus, who is God, who is returning to his house in Jerusalem. So I tried to do last night, but that was way better than my whole homily last night. Okay, but tonight what I want to do with you, hopefully, I want to zero in on the second reading But our second reading tonight is going to touch on something that really is the drama of the story of your life. It's super powerful. uh, That that chapter we read from Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the, the chapters of the Bible that I have loved the longest. When I first had my conversion and really fell in love with my faith up in Boulder, I don't know why, but that, that reading spoke to me, and this chapter in Hebrews 11 inspired me that I was called to live a life given over to God. And I hope it does the same for you tonight. So tonight what I want to talk to you about is about what does it mean to be a person of faith. You're here tonight. There's probably people in your life who say, you know, this person, that's a person of faith. And Hebrews 11 is an entire chapter all about the great men and women of faith of the Old Testament. And so tonight we want to jump, jump into that. We want to jump into what does it mean that you and I think we have this thing called faith? What does that word even mean? I think people oftentimes get that word wrong. C.S. Lewis famously misunderstood what faith was. Before he was a Christian, his good friend Tolkien, right, was a big influence on him at Oxford. And Tolkien would talk about growing in faith. And Lewis thought that was so odd. He tells us that. He thought it was so strange. He says, how can you grow in faith? Faith means you think this is true. And either you do or you don't. How could you grow in faith? Lewis didn't understand that word. And brothers and sisters, that word faith is a very slippery word. And the part of the reason it's so slippery is because of the history of, of the church, and we won't go into that too deeply tonight. But tonight I want to challenge you. Tonight's uh, story about Abraham here in Hebrews 11, brothers and sisters, this is a challenge from God to you tonight in your life. 
It's a challenge about what way will you live. Faith oftentimes, right, in our, our Protestant brothers and sisters whom we love very much, when we hear that word, we can kind of get defensive as Catholics. We jump into the faith versus works thing. I don't want to do that tonight. I want to take it to a much deeper level. The first thing I just want to point out tonight, and then we're going to, we're going to jump around a little bit in, in the scriptures. But the first thing I want to just, I want you to notice tonight Abraham here in Hebrews 11, we're, t- we're shown to be an example of great faith. And the first thing I want to just challenge you on is that if you are going to be a man or a woman of faith, what you must do is you must leave your life behind. If you are going to be a man or a woman of real faith, you must leave your life behind. Too often in the modern world, Christians have given a counter sign to what it means to follow Jesus when we live comfortable lives, and then we just say, yep, I believe that these four controversial issues, I believe that Jesus is right about this. That's not faith. Abraham tonight, if you know the story of Abraham, Abraham starts his first encounter with God in Genesis chapter 12. God says, Abraham, leave your family, leave your homeland, leave everything you have, leave it behind. And he says, come follow me to a place that I will show you. God doesn't even tell him where he's going. It's like, okay, God, like, could you at least give me like a destination point? Like, are we talking Jerusalem here? Are we talking Hebron? Right, where are we going? God doesn't even give him a destination. He just says, come. And for us, brothers and sisters, to be men and women of faith, what we always want is the same thing, don't we? We want a destination. All right, God, if I'm going to trust you, if I'm going to risk something, if I'm going to leave something behind in my life, like my next assignment, right? Okay, God, I'll go wherever the bishop tells me to go. It's a little place called Aspen. Right? God, if you're going to call me to follow you, I want to know at least that I'm going to be okay. I want to know that I'm going to have people who love me. I want to know that I'm going to have a good marriage or a good vocation, a good job. And he doesn't tell us that. He didn't tell me that. He never does. He just says, Brian, come follow me. It's a radical challenge, but you can't be a Christian if you stay at home can't do it. And tonight what I want to use to jump into this question of what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to be a person of faith? And brothers and sisters, if if I do this well tonight, what I want to show you a little bit, I hope it'll be self-evident, is if you actually understand what that word means, and if you have faith in what it really truly is, faith will save you. 
If you have faith in the sense that it's really meant in the New Testament, it will contain works. We're not going to get into that. But if you really have faith, you will have eternal life. And the best way, I think, to show this, what I want to dive into briefly is the hardest book in the whole Bible. It's called Romans. It's an easy task tonight. But we're going to just highlight one section within Romans. So Romans says this. My my dream all summer, it hasn't happened yet, and for a long time, I I want to start a Bible today. Somebody help me do this. I want to start a study for young men on the book of Romans. If you want to be a part of that with me, come talk to me after Mass. But Romans, at the beginning of the letter, St. Paul says this. He says, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, in Paul's life, right, grace and apostleship, that's everything. God broke into his life, and he made Paul an apostle. Jesus Christ did this. Why? So that we might bring about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. At the very end of the letter, Paul will end in chapter 16. And what he'll do right at the end here, he says, Now the gospel has been disclosed through the prophetic writings and is made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God. Why did God do all this? Why did he bring about the gospel? To bring about the obedience of faith. So Paul begins and ends Romans. In, in scripture scholarship, we have a fancy word for this. It's called an, uh, an inclusio. But you could just say bookends. What Paul does is right at the beginning of Romans and at the end, he uses that same phrase. He says, everything is about the obedience of faith. And here's where this is going to speak to your life. Notice how those two things go together, by the way. Faith does not mean, yep, I think it's true. But I'm just going to keep on living the way I've always lived. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you redeemed all of human history and that all the sin of the world was laid upon you on Good Friday. And that sin died with you on the cross. I believe it. And I believe you rose to new life and began the new creation to make all things new. So now I'll just kind of live like everybody else. That is not faith. It's not faith. I've never met someone who has authentic faith who hasn't felt like they have to leave everything. When God touches us, brothers and sisters, everything changes. We still screw up all the time. I am case in point and the greatest example of that. But everything changes. Okay, so what does this mean for us? What Paul does here, the obedience of faith, your life, the drama of your life and the drama of all of human history is a story about obedience. It's a story about the obedience of faith or about disobedience. And Paul brings that whole story to a culmination in Romans chapter 5. Tonight, I would challenge you, before you go to bed tonight, 
Go read Romans 5. Romans 5 for me is maybe the most hopeful chapter in the entire New Testament. So in Romans 5, Paul tells the story of two people. He tells the story of Adam and the story of Jesus. And here's what faith is. We're going to unpack this just a little bit. I know what you're thinking right now. This is going to go a while. It might. We'll find out. What Paul does in Romans 5, though, the obedience of faith is that what Adam did in the garden, is that Adam and Eve, right, they did not trust God. They did not have faith, and so they disobeyed. And that story where Adam and Eve did not trust God and they disobeyed is my story. The normal, if you, if you don't trust God at times in your life, you say, I know God says this, but I know better. I know God is calling me to leave this behind, but actually I want to go this way. I know the church says X, Y, or Z, but, but actually, you know, I think it's really this way. That's the story of Adam. That is my story. And brothers and sisters, if you do that, you're not evil or wicked. You're just human. It's what all of us do. So Paul says this in Romans 5, verse 18. He says, One man's trespass led to condemnation for all men. Who's the one man? Unanimously. Adam, right? See, Catholics know the Bible. Even when they whisper speak it, right? I love it when you guys do that. It's so cute. Okay. Adam disobeys. This is the story of the human race, and the whole human race finds itself alienated God. One man's trespass led to condemnation for all men. So one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. One man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. Who's the one man that did that? Jesus. For as by one man's disobedience, many, by the way, the word many there in Greek is all. For as by one man's disobedience all were made sinners, so by one man's obedience all will be made righteous. And here's the point tonight. When the New Testament, if I, I wish we had an hour, I, there are so many questions that I'm probably raising for you. I hope I am. And there's such good answers. When the New Testament talks about what Jesus did on the cross, one of the ways it talks about it is it calls that the moment of Jesus' faith. It uses the word, the faith of Jesus as what happened on the cross. In Greek, the word faith, pistis, it can mean faith or faithfulness. And brothers and sisters, tonight I know this is intense. 
this is the story of Christianity. And this is the story of your life. Adam didn't trust God. He didn't have faith. So he did his own thing. And he disobeyed. Jesus broke into the world to make all things as they should be. And this great story of all humanity, he reversed it. And he trusted the Father and loved the Father to such a degree that he made an act of faith where he surrendered his entire being on the cross. I was reading Pope Benedict today, trying to prepare for tonight. And Pope Benedict, he talks about faith and he has this great line. He says, human beings, what they always want to do is they want to be able to hold something in their hand. I want to understand it. I want to stand above it. I want to be able to make a judgment on something smaller than myself. But Pope Benedict says a true person of faith, what happens is they realize that they're actually grasping something bigger than them. Balthazar says it even better. Sorry, sorry, Benedict. Balthazar talks about a measure. And he says, whenever you and I want to know something that we don't understand, we want to measure it. So we try to use concepts and knowledge and different things to wrap our heads around something bigger than us. But Balthazar says when we try to measure Christ and we say, here's what I understand life's about. If you love me, you're supposed to make my life better, Jesus. Here's what I think is wrong with the world, and I'm going to use my mind to measure you. And Balthazar says that when we start to measure God, the person who has faith and this is exactly what happened in my life. I never would have said it this way, but it's exactly what happened. Is I was trying to measure Christ if he stood up. I was trying to see if his claims were true. I was trying to figure him out. And what I learned when I did that was that I was the one who was measured by him. That my truth could not measure and comprehend the infinite truth of God, but rather His truth measured me. And the most amazing thing in that moment, and what has happened over and over again in my life, is that I knew that His truth and His goodness measured me, not the other way around, and I didn't stand up but what I knew in that moment was that I was loved and accepted. And it changed everything. Brothers and sisters, faith does not mean you believe something to be true. That's not faith. At least not in the Christian sense of the word. It does not mean I believe something is true. Christian, Christian faith is like Abraham who encountered God and left everything behind. Christian faith is like Jesus who trusted the Father so much that he surrendered 
everything and was crucified as a naked slave. That's faith. That kind of faith will save you. It will save your soul. If you have the kind of faith where you learn to leave yourself behind and surrender to God, I promise you, you will be in heaven for all of eternity. Faith that merely says, yep, that's true, and I'll go through the motions, that's not faith. Jesus, thank you for your faith, for your faithfulness that has saved me, saved all of us. Lord, may your faithfulness, may your faith, may your surrender to the Father, Jesus, may that faith be echoed in me.